Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works COVID-19 update. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. Last time on HR Works COVID-19 update, we began to discuss workplace investigations uh, with an expert. We talked about what kinds of issues we're having with remote work, specifically as it pertains to workplace investigations. Today, we're going to continue that discussion, but we're going to talk about the impact that workplace investigations particularly remote ones, can have on a workplace's culture. We're pleased to have with us Andre Caldwell. He's a shareholder at Ogletree Deacons in Oklahoma City. Mr. Caldwell began his career as an assistant United States attorney in the Western District of Oklahoma, where he was assigned to the Violent Crime and Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. During his tenure, he was awarded the FBI Director's Award from FBI Director Robert Mueller for his outstanding prosecutorial skills. Just prior to joining Ogletree Deacons, Mr. Caldwell was a shareholder at one of the largest and oldest law firms in Oklahoma and was an active member of the Criminal Defense Compliance and Investigations and Litigation and Trial Practice Groups. Mr. Caldwell utilized his wealth of trial and investigative experience to represent private and public companies of various sizes in all aspects of commercial litigation, preparation of compliance guidelines, and conducting corporate criminal risk assessments. Thank you, Andre, very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. You know, one of the things about, you know, the move to remote that a lot of HR people are struggling with is how do they keep their culture alive? How do they translate that over video chat and non, you know, without being in person, without having a, a direct view of their employees? And I, I imagine that there are cultural considerations when it comes to doing an investigation that may also be difficult to translate over over video or, or a phone chat. Um, how do you address those kinds of concerns and what would you tell HR people to look out for? Yeah, um, I mean, that's a good one. You always have to take into account cultural context when uh, conducting an investigation. And for me as an outside investigator, that's one of the things I try to get a handle on very quickly. As an HR person, if you're working internally for that company, uh, hopefully you will have a good handle on the culture. If you're an external HR consultant who's being brought in, then you're sort of in that hybrid position between an HR person who's internal and, and someone like me who's outside third-party lawyer. But you know, for purposes of gaining a handle on it, um, I, I don't just jump into the meat and potatoes of the complaint. I, I really try to get a sense of who the person is, who the players are, almost like softballs, right? We're warming up for the game. So I'm just going to pitch you a couple of softballs, get you comfortable. And then we get into the more difficult uh, questions or the ones that are, are really at the heart of the complaint or the issue that's being investigated. It, it's tough. I mean, everyone's dealing with COVID fatigue, working from home, uh, morale, other issues that are going on just associated with our current circumstances. And, and frankly, all I can do is tell you, you have to work with the circumstances that you have. Uh, I, I think it's okay to be transparent with the witness to let them know that you recognize the difficulties associated with being remote, um, but that there's a job to be done and that the ultimate goal is to protect the integrity and the safety of the workplace. And that's why this process has taken place and it will be conducted no differently than if we were all pre-COVID or, or uh, non-remote. So uh, that's the way I approach it. Could you give me an example of how getting the culture wrong might negatively impact 
um, whether that's workplace culture or even, you know, since people have employees overseas, uh, a country culture, how getting that wrong might impact your, your investigation. Absolutely. So I, I, I dealt with that this year working on a uh, international investigation, as I mentioned earlier in the democratic Republic of Congo and um, just not being in the country, not knowing how uh, the persons in the office interact, sort of the managerial structure, the gender uh, norms associated with how the employees interact with each other is quite possible. And it happened, you know, sometimes we were able to correct it that that led to misinterpretations of statements that were made. Keep in mind, um, you know, the Congolese country, they're Francophone, so they speak French. And so we had Mm. an interpreter from our Paris office who was on the Zoom meeting, but we also had uh, stateside one of our attorneys who also speaks French. And it's funny because those two would have to coordinate to make sure they understood what the witness was communicating. Think about how much we speak in slang as yeah. as uh, English speaking uh, citizens, and we have different meanings and thoughts for different things. Well, the same goes for any other language. And so, to make sure that we were getting the real meaning of what was being communicated, we had to make sure that we were very careful about interpreting those things, understanding them, asking questions over and over, just to make sure we understood the meaning, because that can completely change the outcome of the investigation and our analysis of it. And then those sort of nonverbal cues. Um, It it seemed to me that in this culture that people were very sheepish about being on camera and someone who shies away and they're sheepish may seem as if they're not telling the truth, but that didn't appear to be the case because we always ask for corroboration, something documented, something black and white to back up the statements that are made and we would get it. Uh, but if we had not done that, we may have misinterpreted that nonverbal cue. So there's a lot that goes into this process. It, a lot of people sometimes think a workplace investigation is nothing more than going in, sitting down, asking some questions and writing a summary about it. It is much more in-depth than that if it's done correctly. Yeah, I had a, a guest um, maybe a year and a half ago who did workplace investigations consulting, you know, and her one of her takeaways was don't trust your gut because your gut's based on not in an investigation anyway. I mean, you could use sort of your gut feelings to guide yourself a little bit, but it, what your gut can end up being is just a bunch of biases. Absolutely. We all deal with biases. I mean, it's one of the things that we have to try to turn off when we get into this process. Um, The, the cultural, you know, misunderstanding a a culture and the impact that has on your investigation seems like such a, a pitfall, um, particularly for someone that maybe hasn't done a lot of investigations or maybe is doing their very first investigation. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be remote work specific, but what are some of the other pitfalls you see regularly amongst um, sort of greener investigators? Yeah. Um, so I recently did a podcast with a good friend of mine in our office, Diana Nero, on what we consider sort of the top five mistakes of uh, workplace investigations. And one of the things that we talked about is not using the scribe interviewer system. Um, you know, I am a big proponent of having a scribe and an interviewer in a workplace investigation, one person whose sole focus is to ask the question and the other person's sole focus is to 
do the observation of the nonverbal cues of, you know, the thorough notes, because oftentimes if we're trying to do too much, and like I just mentioned in the remote context with all the, you know, distractions coming at you, you can miss very important things, get thrown off of, uh, off of your course and that can, you know, affect or somehow slant the investigation potentially. So I know that um, cost is always at issue, but, you know, one of the things that I often mention is you could be saving yourself a lot of money by doing this investigation correctly, as opposed to spending yeah. it on the back end when you're in litigation and you've got a bad report that you can't rely upon as a defense. And so uh, I, I certainly uh, have noticed that as a pitfall. I, I've got no, a number of them, but I'll, you know. Sure. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's another thing about that is, you know, um, you know, I've been to therapist therapist before, and it's actually kind of a trope that's played with uh, on television entertainment, you know, where someone's speaking to an investigator or, or a therapist, and then they see them write something down right after they say something. And that kind of adds or injects a, I don't know, a certain level of trepidation or concern. Oh, why are they writing yep. that down and, and not this other yep. thing? You can see just sort of, you know, it's a kind of a small detail, but you could see having someone that's just writing it all down, you know, okay, well, this is just part of the process. It's not like they're looking at this one thing. In Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, these do tend to be shorter episodes, um, but if you have any final thoughts and or concerns to, to share with us. Yeah. Um, you know, I made a, a really big pivot earlier this year uh, on my branding uh, to really discuss remote investigations. And I've had the opportunity throughout the year, fortunately, to conduct a number of them. And, you know, sometimes they can get a bad rap. I would say that they should certainly be done. Um, it's really important to jump on top of complaints promptly. Um, you know, when you mention culture, investigations can really fix culture when you have the ability to highlight problems that exist within the workplace. And so if you can't do them in person, certainly do them remote. One thing that I have been advising clients is to update your policies with respect to how the remote workplace is going in terms of, you know, your harassment policy and that it encompasses work from home. Um, you know, your disciplinary policy to let people know that, you know, these actions will be treated no differently than if we were all in person in the same workplace. Your investigations policy to talk about having persons participate uh, in the process, whether that be remotely or in person, just so that it's transparent and everyone's on the same page and that you're continuing to send that message that we are all about protecting our employees and protecting the workplace. I think that's critical. Uh, there's so much divisiveness right now with everything going on. Uh, like I said, people are fatigued, people are depressed. Um, I'm sure that's contributed to a number of complaints, but we'll get through all this together and we're going to get through it the right way. So, uh, I guess those would be my parting thoughts. Well, thank you again so much, Andre, for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Listeners, please check back next week for the next episode of HR Works COVID-19 Update. You can always follow us on Twitter at HRWorks Podcast to say hello or give us suggestions. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HRWorks.